You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation, and welcome to your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every game, news item, rumor, and more. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on Himalaya. My name is David Ramil. The Heat faced their interstate rival, the Orlando Magic, on Thursday night in a game that was very competitive for a preseason one. Some intensity, a few technicals actually, and some incredible playmaking, but most importantly, a 107-98 Heat victory to improve to 4-0 this preseason. Miami started off with a lineup, a starting lineup of Justice Winslow, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, Myers Leonard. The second time we've seen this lineup, the first one was against the San Antonio Spurs in the first preseason game. But the game went back and forth for most of the first half of Miami holding on to a slim one-point lead before Jimmy Butler took over the third quarter, helping Miami build a double-digit lead and leading all scores with 23 points on 9 of 14 shooting. This was the version of Butler that I'd expect to see more often during the regular season. Over the past few games, he's been not necessarily as aggressive as we would have expected him to be. He's clearly the number one player on this team, even though he admitted otherwise or said otherwise. But the reality is that he was kind of picking his spots, and that's what it is, it's appeared for most of the preseason, was that he was being very careful about when he would attack. Uh, tonight was not that. He was very aggressive. He was looking to get his shot off. He had a... Well, I won't say tough defensive matchup, but he was trying to guard Aaron Gordon for most of the night. Gordon being a somewhat more physical, larger player than Butler. But Butler did a very, very good job defensively, and I think that kind of got him going a little bit. He wanted to show up Aaron Gordon. Did finish with 23 points, like I said. So a fantastic night from Jimmy Butler, clearly the game's best player. But aside from Jimmy Butler's scoring. He also finished with six assists to go along with four rebounds, a steal, and a block. He also had four turnovers, but Miami was generally a little sloppy in the first half. They racked up a total of 15 turnovers in the first two quarters and finished with 22 on the night in total. So, you know, some highlights there as far as Miami's offense was concerned. They certainly looked a lot more fluid. There was a lot of playmaking, not just from Jimmy Butler, but from others as well turnovers were a little bit of concern but I would say a lot of that has to do with one still trying to gain some familiarity with one another and two Orlando is actually a pretty good defensive team ever since Steve Clifford instituted the kind of team he wanted in with the Magic they've been a little bit more focused on the defensive end uh, they've spoken often about having a culture and it kind of echoes a lot of what Miami says about their or their own team and their own culture they want to be a defensive-minded first team. They want to be a little bit tougher, a little bit more physical. They want to challenge other teams. They've been in the doghouse, the league's doghouse, for a very, very long time in the sense that they just they haven't been particularly good. And this was an opportunity for them to continue building on what they showed in last year's playoff race when they did look like a, a, a better team, a team on the rise. Anyway, enough about the Magic. The reality is this was a very, very good win for Miami. And the other story of the game, aside from Jimmy Butler, was Justice Winslow, who had 12 assists along with 7 points and 6 rebounds, as well as 3 turnovers of his own. But those 12 assists, that was a fantastic showing from Winslow. Those passes weren't questionable assists, as NBA.com statistics sometimes keep 
you know, st- stats as far as assists are concerned, uh, a pass that sort of kind of leads to a, bu- a bucket. This was cross-court passes in transition, finding cutters at the rim, fastball passes through traffic. If there were any doubts about him being the team's point guard, which apparently there might be because I did see some activity on Twitter about some people still thinking whether or not he should or shouldn't start. This night should have put all that kind of talk to rest. Winslow's night was just fantastic overall. Maybe, you know, I'll have to preface it by saying there are some concerns there. Did he sacrifice his scoring to become more of a playmaker? I'm not sure. I know that over the summer he worked extensively on on being the ball handler in pick-and-roll situations. That was something that he really wanted to focus on because he did struggle in that regard last season when he was handling the ball a lot. So clearly, playmaking has been a focus of his offseason work. He did shoot 3 of 9 overall, 0 from 3 from long range. And one of the things that we were hoping for from Winslow this season was that he would continue to build on his shooting form last year. His form hasn't been a problem itself. It's been the fact that he just hasn't been able to knock down the shot very regularly. And, And that is a concern because you can't just be a playmaker for others or else you just... You wind up being a one-dimensional player. Now, had his size, because of his defensive tenacity, there are other skills that he brings to the to the equation, but he still needs to be a threat offensively. Um, having said that, I do think that he's also a potential triple-double threat, and that is a nice number that a lot of fans kind of tend to gravitate towards. His night tonight clearly represents that kind of potential. Maybe he won't always get double-digit assists. Maybe this is on the higher end of the spectrum. But his playmaking was fantastic. He just seemed really dialed in with the way everybody was cutting to the basket. Again, those transition passes, finding a, a Jimmy Butler who had outraced the rest of the Magic defense. And it was just incredible work from, from Winslow. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if we should put a stealing on his playmaking ability considering how good it was. Those passes were really, really sharp. I, I, I'm trying to think if we've seen any kind of passing like that in a few years, and I can't recall the last time maybe Dwayne Wade's had some moments overall, uh, with the exception of maybe LeBron James. And, and that was, I mean, that <laughs> LeBron, obviously one of the best passers in NBA history, so that's you know not an attainable level necessarily for Winslow, but some of those passes were pretty reminiscent. Very sharp cutting, very good you know outlet passes, really just great work. I, I mean, I, I can't say enough about Winslow's playmaking ability. But coming up next... Is Tyler Hero the coolest rookie in the world? I'll answer that next. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Manscaped is the number one option in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off your order and free shipping when you enter the promo code Locked On at checkout, so make sure to visit manscaped.com today. I'll get into the return of Kelly Olenek in the next segment, but first, Stephen Wang asks, is this the starting five for the season? I'll get into that a little bit later because we did have some concerns from other listeners, so I'll address the starting lineup later on, but I did want to get to Stephen's second question, which is, as a rookie, was it Hero's place to get into it with Michael Carter-Williams? Now, a little bit of a recap here. I did not mention the first segment. Tyler Hero, I believe it was in the third quarter, was in the game. And he was defending Michael Carter-Williams, the former Rookie of the Year, who's now, I think, the third-string point guard in the Orlando Magic lineup. He was added as a late-season addition last year to Orlando, and they re-signed him this offseason. So there he is in Orlando. Seemed like he was driving the ball 
with his left hand, he had the dribble on his left, and then with his offhand, kind of pushed Tyler Hero a little bit as Tyler was sliding his feet, knocked Hero to the floor, and Hero took some exception to that, did not get a foul call, got up, didn't necessarily like what Michael Carter-Williams had done, let him know it, and then got the ball on the other end, took a dribble, step back three, swish, and then afterwards it was kind of jawing at Michael Carter-Williams' For the rest of the way, as they were, you know, backpedaling towards the other side of the court, Michael Carter Willis responded. Tyler did not give up, and they were both assessed technicals at that point. A couple plays later, a couple possessions later, it seemed like Tyler Hero was trying to box out Michael Carter Williams, and then Williams got tangled up there, grabbed Hero's arm. Both players kind of fell there. There was an obvious foul. And then the same referee that has assessed the first technicals assessed the second one. And it looked like Tyler Hero was going to get ejected along with Michael Carter-Williams. Sorry, both players were going to get ejected. But then they looked at it in re- on, a, on a replay. And it turned out that, of course, Michael Carter-Williams had initiated the foul and the contact. He was ejected. His night was cut short early. Tyler Hero staying in the game. All good moments there from a rookie who continues to show a lot of poise, a lot of confidence, and just a refusal to back down. I don't know anybody. So to Steven's question, was it Hero's place to get at it? Absolutely. So Steven also asked a follow-up question. How awesome as a rookie was it for Hero to get into it with Michael Carter-Williams? <laughs> it was fantastic. I, I mean, look, I don't know if there's ever like a place or anything like that. I, I don't know that Michael Carter-Williams, as nice as that hardware of being rookie of the year was a few seasons ago, I don't know if he's earned it. This isn't... This isn't the same thing as challenging LeBron or Steph Curry or another accomplished player who has won a championship. This is Michael Carter-Williams, and that's all fine. Even those players, I think, still need to get some kind of comeuppance every once in a while. Uh, you know, And I don't have a problem with Tyler's actions at all. It looked like Michael Carter was trying to initiate the contact. It looked like he was trying to kind of get the rookie a little bit unfazed, perhaps. Uh, or a little phased, rather. And it didn't work. And so I, I like to see it. Tyler did not have a great night offensively, so it was a little bit of a problem there. But otherwise, as far as this particular incident was concerned, I'm all for it. I think it was great. I think that the fact that he, again, showed the kind of, uh, well, let's say, the willingness to respond to Michael Carter-Williams by knocking down that step-back three that has become such a reliable weapon for him uh, really shows a lot. And uh, he still remains one of the more exciting rookies out there and a fantastic, fantastic player. So uh, let's hope to see uh, a little bit more of that throughout the course of the season. Billy Kuhn writes, Point Winslow finished with 12 assists tonight. That shot falls a bit better. He could be a nice cog in a very fluid offense with Bam, Hero, and Butler. Yeah. Uh, absolutely right. Uh, as to my point in the first segment, that shot does need to be a little bit better, a little bit more consistent. But I like Billy's point about the fluid offense because it's something I tweeted during the game as well. Is that this just looks like a very potent lineup. And, and I hate to use that. I hate to put any kind of projection on this team because we haven't really seen what they're like during the regular season. Although I think we're starting to get glimpses during the preseason. But there are a number of playmakers here, and I think a lot of that has to do with the absence of Hassan Whiteside, with Bam Adebayo, with Myers Leonard, with tonight's return to Kelly Olenek, which I'll get into in the next segment. So many nice things, so many different playmakers at every position. You've got Goran Dragic, you've got Dion Waiters, you've got Justice, you've got Jimmy. I mean, I think off the top of my head, Duncan Robinson is probably the least likely to make plays for others. Other than that, Tyler can certainly handle the ball and dish it. We saw in his first really strong game against the Spurs 
how nice of a playmaking ability he had, something we hadn't seen much of during his summer league tenure. And, I mean, I think there's just on and on and on. There's just a number of players. Derek Jones Jr., I'm sorry, to, uh, to add to Duncan Robinson as far as the two least likely players when it comes to making plays for others. But overall, a number of playmakers, guys who can pass at a very high level. You know, Obviously, I think at the top end, you're going to get Winslow, Butler, and maybe to a lesser extent, Dragic. But you're going to get some plays at the top of the key from, from Leonard and Olenek. Uh, and I think you're going to see that trickle down. You're going to see more buckets in transition. You're going to see more fast-paced activity. We haven't seen an offense like this, as Billy points out, as fluid as this in years. I mentioned during during the game via Twitter that I don't think I've seen an offense like this since the Big Three era. Maybe I'm wrong. And I don't like, again, to look at preseason and say, this is going to be the team that we're going to see throughout the year. But they do look very sharp, and I think they are very, very capable. So this is going to be a fun season, and I cannot reiterate that enough. Norsa writes in, in Game 1 this Wednesday against the Memphis Grizzlies, is Tyler or Duncan starting? After tonight's game, it seems it could go either way. They both provide the shooting the starters need. Yeah, that's true. Duncan Robinson had a pretty solid night overall. Uh, 5 of 10 from the floor, finished with 17 points, 4 of 8 from 3-point range. Also connected on 3 free throws. He actually got tagged on a 3-point shooting attempt. Uh, not much overall after, aside from that scoring. He does provide some rebounding at his size. He had a block and 2 rebounds. Again, no playmaking ability from him, but it looks like he's going to be used in an interesting way. He's going to come off screens. He's a little big considering he's not much of the J.J. Redick type as far as constantly running off screens and things of that sort, but he could create some mismatches that way. And as long as that shot's falling down regularly, I still think he's a good addition there. It's kind of hard to to say which one is a better option. I don't know. Tyler looks great on some occasions. Then he kind of falls off as far as his consistency is concerned. I don't know that Eric Spolstra is going to reward somebody who's as inconsistent on offense and, you know, unfortunately still learning his way defensively. I think Duncan's probably the more polished player, so I'm not sure. My vote, I would give Duncan Robinson a chance to start, Um, and I think Tyler's going to get some opportunities later on, so we'll see. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. Eric Spolster has not mentioned anything uh, to reporters, so we'll just have to kind of wait and see. I would imagine that the next game, which is the last game of the preseason, might show a different starting lineup altogether. And then we won't see anything else as far as what this Heat team can offer and, and what they might uh, actually roll out against the Grizzlies in their season opener. So your guess is as good as mine, Billy. I'd say either one is a very, very good option. They do provide some shooting. I think Hero's probably a little bit more fluid as a scorer, and it does provide some playmaking ability. So it's all about whether or not he can fit in well with the starters there. Uh, and I think he does have a good opportunity to, to get some starting minutes there. I, I just, I'm not sure how it plays out, to be honest with you. Tuan Speaks writes in, Do you think this is what this team will be on a night-to-night basis? Solid defense, sometimes sloppy defensively, and Jimmy being Jimmy, or do you credit this with Orlando just being a bad matchup because we look much more crisp in other preseason games? Tuan, you're right on the nose there. I, I think there is a little bit of both, and I know that's a little bit vague, but I think the reality is that this is a little bit of what we'll see some pretty good defense. They're occasionally a little sloppy. I think they're going to work through those issues as the season continues to project uh, to roll out. We're going to see them getting a little bit sharper, a little bit more crisp, although they did look crisp in the preseason, as you mentioned. And Jimmy is going to be Jimmy. Uh, I also think Orlando is going to be a lot better than a lot of people expect. I'm still most concerned about them 
in the division, and I think they are a legitimate threat to challenge Miami for home court advantage in the playoffs. Uh, I, I think there's something to be built off of what they were able to accomplish last year. They brought back that whole team. There, there, there's consistency there, and again, the start of a, a culture, although I don't think it's as firmly in place as Miami's own, but uh, again, I think Orlando's a pretty good team, and as far as Miami is concerned, I think they'll get better. I really do. I think we're going to see more fluid offense from them. I think we're going to see really tight defense. I think some of the problem is Myers Leonard defensively. He is an issue. He does not move his feet well. There were a couple times there when Alfaruk Amino, you know, one play in particular that stood out to me was when he caught the ball at the top of the key and Myers just kind of ran right up to him and then watched as Alfaruk Amino, not a particularly quick player, just put the ball down, was able to get right past Leonard, and Leonard had no response there. He just kind of watches uh, Amino uh, force another defender to switch onto him, and then he made a nice pass to a cutting, I think, Jonathan Isaac, who finished uh, with a dunk there. Maybe it was Mo Bamba, either way. Um, you know, I think Leonard tries hard on defense. He's obviously a good rebounder. He does finish up in traffic there. He had a nifty uh, reverse layup. There's some very positive things there. I still think Kelly Olenek's defense is a little bit better, but um, you know the fact that Eric Spolster continues to go with Myers in a starting lineup gives me a little pause. We'll see how it plays out against the Houston Rockets on Friday, uh, whether or not he decides to change that up a little bit. But um, for now, I do I do have some concerns about the team's overall defense, mostly because of Myers Leonard. Coming up next, Kelly Olenek makes his triumphant return. You're listening to Locked On Heat. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, please leave a rating and review, especially if it's a good one. So, stat of the game, as always, 15 points in 14 minutes. That was Kelly Olynyk's line after his return to the rotation, after missing all of preseason following a knee bruise that he incurred over the summer while he was training with the Canadian national team for the FIBA World Cup. Olenek looked good, i got to be honest with you. Not just the fact that he was scoring at such a high level, he was moving his feet well, he was reading defenses, uh, not, you know, he did have an assist and a rebound to go along with those 14 points, but the fact that he was able to go 6 of 8 in that limited playing time there, just really showed a, a, a real polish there. And, and you kind of forget, you know, you see what Myers Leonard can do uh, and the fact that he's finishing around the basket, that he is able to stretch the floor there. Kelly shot one of three from three-point range, so not great overall. But his overall understanding, his dribble is so much better than Leonard's. And I think that's something that we really noticed in, in tonight's game against the Magic. He's just a polished ball handler. He can make plays for others, although he did not make as many today as he has in the past. But he just showed a real awareness. There was one play there. I cannot remember who it was who was guarding him. Maybe Vucevic. But he put the ball down. Just kind of realized that he had a little bit of an edge there. And and put up a shot that I thought had no chance of falling. Instead, he caught glass. And he did it on purpose. He he knocked down the shot off glass. The shot fell. Drew the foul. And he converted the three-point play. So that's 
it's a really polished offensive game, and I think that's what you get with Olenek. And his defense isn't as bad. I don't think it's as flat-footed as, as Leonard's is, so uh, you might sacrifice a little bit of bulk, uh, maybe a little bit of rebounding because Olenek is not a great rebounder. At the same time, uh, you know he's a little bit more polished offensively, so... I, it's tough to say. I think I think with the ball handling being what it is in the starting lineup, and I think with the fact that you want Adebayo to be more of a roving defender, you can afford to have Leonard in there. And I think that Olenek brings a nice spark off the bench along you know, with Goran and Dion and possibly Hira or Duncan Robinson, whoever does wind up coming off the bench. Either way, let's just appreciate the fact that one, Olenek is back, that he's healthy, he looks really good, and two... This team is really, really deep, and I think it's something to really be impressed with. I know it's a lot of, not a lot of top-end talent. I think it's a lot of good role players there, but that's a really strong thing. And and moreover, as teams in the past, other team, other Heat teams have been in, in the past few years, it's not just about depth. It's about everybody having a clear role. This isn't about seven ball handlers and seven bigs uh, You know that, that don't necessarily mesh very well. It's, seven, it's five guys in that starting lineup and five guys in that rotation coming off the bench that are mostly good playmakers that have a nice role. Even Derek Jones Jr. is kind of a flyer who catches rebounds, who can drive to the lane, who can finish up rebounds in traffic. Those things are all really impressive. And I I just, it it looks like a really good team there. And and if there's another, if there's another statistic that you can point to as the start of the game, it's that 10. Because Eric Spolster did mention before the game that the first 10 guys off the bench, meaning the five stars and the five guys that come in as reserves are the ones that he wants to, give Silver's consideration to as far as the rotation during the regular season is. One key absence, James Johnson. Duncan Robinson obviously starting. Tyler Hero coming off the bench. Derek Jones Jr. Even Kelly Olenek coming back for his first game in the preseason ahead of James Johnson, whose only crime, it seems, is possibly being someone out of shape when he when he had appeared at a training camp uh, a couple weeks ago. So that seems like almost an eternity ago. But the reality is James has been, I guess, in a major doghouse he's returned to the team he hasn't been playing he has not played this preseason so i'm not sure what his future with this team is but it's something that we'll definitely have to keep an eye on the goat of the game the best player from miami jimmy butler how can you say otherwise this is a version of jimmy that we have not seen during the preseason he looked really sharp out there very very aggressive in his scoring and he was knocking down that shot very very well scapegoat of the game unfortunately the worst player from Miami tonight was Goran Dragic. Just finished with uh, two of seven from the field, and he could not seem to find a rhythm in 23 minutes of play. That's that's an awful lot of playing time there. He finished one of four from three-point range, so he's definitely keyed in on taking a lot more shots from behind the perimeter. I think that's going to be the bulk of his offense. Unfortunately, he's no longer the guy who can outrace everybody and throw the iron shoulder and kind of clear some space to get to the rim. Um, that just might not be the part of his game there. I don't know if he's kind of saving it for the regular season. That might be possibly what we're seeing there. Um, I'll definitely ask him that in the locker room tomorrow. But uh, other than that, uh, I'll finish with five points, three assists. So some nice playmaking from him. Again, another one of those guys that can make plays for others. And, and he looked sharp in that regard, but not from a scoring perspective. And that's something that we... I think should expect from him. I think that's the, the role that he's played more often than not over the course of his career. And if this team is going to have any legitimate chances of going deeper into the playoffs, it's because of their strength of their depth, of, of their bench, 
and because of Goran's ability to score off the bench, you know, aside from guys like Dion and Kelly Olenek, etc. So we'll have to keep waiting and seeing what uh, Goran Dragic does. I don't think it's a matter of health. He didn't look like he was holding his knee or it wasn't an injury issue. He just wasn't knocking down that shot. So I think he needs to be a little bit more consistent there as a scorer. Let's keep an eye on that as the season progresses. The Heat are back at it on Friday when they host the Houston Rockets, looking to close out the preseason at 5-0. and That's it for today. You can connect with me on Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat or email me at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you, as always, for your support. Yeah! Wrap it up,